the chief priests and all the council to assemble and brought Paul down and set him before them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear me, Father, we come today. We are thankful, so thankful for your goodness shown to us, for your kindness, your grace shown to us in a church, in a week at camp, in a nation where we have freedom. But most of all, we're thankful for our Savior Jesus and for the forgiveness of our sin. We're thankful that we have hope that endures in all days. Lord, we come to that now, and I pray that you would speak through your word. I pray that we would be ready to listen. I pray that our ears and our hearts would be open, and I pray that each of us would be prepared, equipped to stand in the days before you come again. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody listening today that does not know you, whether that's here in this room or in some other way, some other place, I pray that today would be the very day, this hour, Lord, would be the very hour that they would trust you. Lord, we come and we just again lay this out before you. We ask that you would meet with us, that you would move, that you would work in this hour. We tell you we love you, we praise you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today as we start back in, again, I want you to hear, and I want you to think, and I want you to consider what you're hearing, understanding God is preparing you. And so as we move through our verses, as we continue our study, I, I want you to consider that God is speaking to you. God is preparing you as the church. Where we start back, Paul's in Jerusalem for the Passover. As he is there, a mob has risen up against him. Some Jews who have come to town also for the Passover, they are accusing him falsely. They are speaking ill of him to the other Jews that are there, and they have stirred up really a riot. They have stirred up really a violent mob. They are calling for his death. Now, if you think about it, that starts to sound very familiar. That sounds like Jesus himself there for the Passover, and, and an angry crowd rises up against him. Well, it's the same now for Paul. In response, he has been arrested he has been taken into Roman custody. It is something worth noting right here, and I think we need to understand this. From this point forward, the great evangelist and preacher of the gospel, Paul, will never be a free man again. From this event that is starting to take place forward, he will be a prisoner until his coming execution. And all of that for following Jesus. All of that, now his freedom is gone. Now, in that, I love what he says later. He says, you can chain me up, but you can't chain up the gospel. In our verses, starting in chapter 22, Paul is addressing the Jewish crowd. They have started to riot. The Romans have taken custody of him. Now he is addressing, starting in chapter 22, the Jewish crowd. He is on the steps of the barracks that he is about to be placed in, and there he turns and addresses the Jews, giving his defense. Well, as we're halfway through the 22nd chapter, we're going to continue hearing his defense. We're starting back today in verse 17. All right, to our verses, Acts chapter 22, beginning in verse 17. It happened 
when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. Paul continues on. It happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I fell into a trance. Now, do not miss how huge the events are that have transpired in this account. Now, he starts with this simple sentence, but do not miss the hugeness of the things that have gone on in this account. Paul says, when he returned to Jerusalem. Now, remember, when he left Jerusalem, he was going to Damascus, and he was on a mission to stop the spread of the gospel. Well, now, as he comes back to Jerusalem, he is on a mission to proclaim the gospel. When he left Jerusalem, his hope and his pride was in religion and in his religious practice. Now when he comes back to Jerusalem, his hope is solely in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. When he left Jerusalem, he is lost a hater of Jesus. Now when he comes back to Jerusalem, he is saved in the grace of God and the power of God, having called upon the name of the Lord. Understand this this morning. See this this morning. Paul is radically different when he comes back to Jerusalem. Be sure of that. His life has changed. His eternity has changed. Therefore, his priorities have changed. His mission has changed. His beliefs have changed. Literally everything has changed about Paul. Paul is radically different. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away. That is what's happened there in his journey. He was one thing when he left Jerusalem. He is altogether a different thing when he comes back to Jerusalem. Friend, here's the question, and it's personal for you. You, Having met Jesus, is your life radically different upon your return to your Jerusalem? Very simply, let me say it like this. Are you different knowing Jesus? I want you to think about that. I want you to consider that. Not somebody sitting beside you, not somebody on the other side of the room, but talking about you. God is speaking to you. God is preparing you this morning are you different knowing Jesus? You see, there's some that they never really knew Jesus and never really met him, and so we see no difference. There are others, and they have met Jesus, but they're still clinging to the old things. They're still clinging to their old ways. I'm asking this morning, are you different knowing Jesus? Is your hope different? Is your life, how you live, different? Are your priorities different? Is your heart different? Are you different? Think about it. Consider it. Are you different knowing Jesus? Paul comes back to town. He's not the same. He is radically changed in his knowledge of Jesus. The verse says he was Praying in the temple. Praying in the temple, it says he fell into a trance. Now, this is an interesting word. It's a Greek word that means a state of mind beyond ordinary perception. 
a state of mind beyond ordinary perception. It's the same word that's used of an event that happens to the apostle Peter. For Paul, remember, Ananias earlier told him, you will see and you will hear from the righteous one. You will see and you'll hear from Jesus. Well, Paul says here in verse 17 that as he is praying, he falls into a trance. Verse 18. And I saw him, Jesus, and I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. Verse 18, he sees Jesus. Now you might ask the question, well, how did he know it was Jesus? Well, it's the same Jesus he met on the road to Damascus. It's the same voice that he had heard. He meets Jesus. He sees Jesus in this state. And Jesus says to him, make haste, which means be quick and get out of Jerusalem. He says, they will not believe, they will not accept what you're going to say about me. Now, I want to stop right here for a second. Again, when I read this, I think, I wish Jesus would talk to me like that. That's what I think. I read that and I think, I wish Jesus would talk to me like that, don't you? I, I wish that he lined me out like that. I wish he told me where to go and when to go and how fast to go when I go. I, I wish he would do me like that. Oh, the things that I would do if Jesus would speak to me like that. Oh, how faithful I would be if Jesus would direct me like that. Oh, let me tell you something. I'd be great for his cause if Jesus would just leave me like that. You ever think that? Oh, if he'd just tell me what to do. If I'd just see him on a road in a vision, oh, how faithful I would be. Friends, let me tell you something today. He has. Church, he has. And I want you to be sure of this. He not only has, he has done so more clearly. He has spelled it out for us in Writing. He has put that writing in our hands, in our Bibles. Listen to me today. This is his word to us. That's what this is. This is Jesus' word to us. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, talking to the church, talking to you as the church. Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Listen, that is Jesus talking to you in Mark chapter 16, talking to us, talking to the church, talking to you. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Listen, that is Jesus talking to you. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, speaking to the church, speaking to us, speaking to you. Jesus says, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Listen, that's Jesus speaking to you. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says, but you will receive power. Jesus is talking to us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the world, that is Jesus talking to you. 
He has spoken. He has told us what to do in the, in the same way that he commissions Paul here in his word. He has commissioned us as well. Here's another question. Do you know your mission? We live in a world where people are confused. And we live in a world where people feel like life is pointless and empty, you watch, there's, there's a, a growing number of, of suicides across all ages, mostly in our young folks. There, there, there's a lot of folks that are disappointed with life and disappointed with what was turned out in their life. And I think it comes back to the mission that we serve. Listen, do you know your mission? Jesus gave it to you. It is your mission. Do you know your mission? Friends, listen to me this morning. Too many believers have received Jesus, but they've missed their mission. And I'll, I'll just tell you, I truly believe that. They, they have received Jesus, and they, they want to go to heaven, and they've put their faith in Jesus for their forgiveness of their sins. But after that, they have missed their mission. Do you know your mission? We've got to know our mission in these days, being prepared to stand in these critical days. You have to know God has given you the mission of upholding the banner of Christ and to proclaim the good news of Christ to your neighbor, to your family, to your friend, to your workplace, to a lost and dying world. Your mission is to share Jesus. Do you know your mission? Verse 18 and I saw him saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me, verse 19. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. Verse 20. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I also was standing by approving and watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. Paul here is hopeful. Paul says, Lord, they're going to remember me. They're going to remember who I was. They're going to remember the things that I did. And when they see the change, Lord, they're going to believe. Lord, they're going to accept my testimony when they see the change. He's sure of it. He knows they're going to listen. Notice in verse 20, it reports when Stephen was stoned, when he was killed, that Paul oversaw their coats. The Bible says that he looked on approvingly as they pitched down their coats and their overcoats, as they picked up stones to, to kill Stephen. Paul was the one that gathered their coats up. Paul was the one that watched their coats. And the Bible says that as he did so, he approved. He agreed with what was going on. He, he gloated. He was glad as they picked up the stones. That's who he was. That's what his heart was. And he looked on as the stones were striking Stephen. And he said, crush him. That was his heart. I want to go a little further here. The verse says... Paul says, when the blood of your witness, Stephen. I want to look at that. When the blood of your witness, Stephen. 
The word for witness here, it is a Greek word, martis. Martis. It's where we get our word, martyr. It translates, it means a strong witness. It means a resolute testifier. But it is more than just a witness. It is more than just a testifier. The word means the strength of the witness is proved or revealed as they witness unto death. Now hear that again. That's the literal meaning, the literal translation of the word. The word martis means the strength of the witness is proved or revealed as they witness unto death. Get this. What it means is to say, I believe so strongly, I believe with such certainty that I will not recant even in the face of death. That is the certainty of their testimony. I don't care what the pressure is. I'm so sure of the testimony that I will not take it back. I will not twist it. I will not recant even in the face of death. Remember the story in Acts chapter 6 of Stephen. He declares Jesus is the promised Messiah. He tells them Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is our Lord. And he is so sure of it as the stones held in upon him. He does not recant. Next question this morning. How sure are you? How convinced are you? How sure is your conviction? That's the question. How sure is your conviction? Will you say to a world that hates it? Will you say to a world that persecutes it? Will you say at great cost to yourself, Jesus is the Messiah, Jesus is the Savior, Jesus is the Lord? How certain are you? Let me tell you something this morning. We better be loudly certain today. I don't know if you see the world we're living in. I don't know if you see the direction we're heading in. But I want to tell you something, follower of Jesus Christ. We as followers of Christ we had better be certainly certain of what we believe today. We better be prepared to stand. We better be prepared to declare Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Savior. He alone is the only way to be saved. We better be ready to say, you know what? No other way will make you have peace with God. And it's through Jesus alone. That is the only message where there is hope. We better be prepared when the world says, that's ignorant, that's wrong, that's mean-spirited. When the world derives against it, we have to be ready to say, Jesus is the only way. Let me ask you a question. How convinced are you? How convinced are you? We better be convinced. Verse 21. And he said to me, go for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Paul says, they're going to listen. Jesus says, no, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Jesus gives Paul his commission. We know he's faithful to it, verse 22. They listened to him up to this statement. I want you to see this. They listened to him up to this statement. And then they raised their voices, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. 
Verse 23. As they were crying out and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust into the air. Now watch this. They were listening to Paul. He turns around. He starts to tell them who he is. He starts to tell them who, what his past is. He starts to tell them what's happened to him. They are listening to Paul. They are silent. The Bible says a hush fell upon them. They are silent as they listened. But now in this one event, in this one flash, the mob turns into an uproar. They start to throw their cloaks off. They start to throw their coats off. They start to throw dirt up into the air. And it is a flash that ignites a violence. They start to say, he should not live. Away with him. Kill him. It is a wild rejection that is now flashed out against Paul. What was their issue? What set them off? They were listening until then. It was quiet until then. What set them off? Notice at the end of verse 21. Paul reports, Jesus said, I will send you to the Gentiles. Paul's telling what has happened. He's recounting the event. He reports, Jesus said, I will send you to the Gentiles. And that's what did it. That's when everything explodes. When he utters that, that's when everything takes off. You see, the truth is this. They couldn't stand the idea that Gentiles would be saved. They couldn't, they couldn't stand that a Jewish Messiah would include Gentiles in his plan. And it was blasphemy to them. It was too much for them. And so they blew into a rage. Let me tell you something this morning. And you need to be sure of this. Listen very carefully. Let me tell you something. In... Man, I want you to get this. In our world of division, in our world of prejudice, in our world of hatred for others, and you just look around, you just pick your group. In that world, in that, in that divisive, mean world, we need to be clear as the church. There is not a sinner that Jesus does not love. And there is not a sin that Jesus' grace does not cover. And in a world that would exclude folks and cut folks off and trample over folks, we need to be sure in the church of Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news for all people. That has to be the message of the church. We're not choosing up sides. We're not excluding some. The message of the church is the gospel by very nature is good news for all people. The church has to be loud in that. There's not a sinner Jesus doesn't love. There's not a sin His grace doesn't cover in the finished work of Calvary. The gospel is good news for all people. A different message is not the gospel. Verse 24. The commander ordered the, him to be brought into the barracks, stating that he should be examined by scourging so that he might find out the reason why they were shouting against him. The commander wants to know why this is happening. He doesn't understand. He doesn't, he doesn't see why this is a big deal. Why are they so upset? And so it says he's going to examine Paul by scourging. The word actually means 
to torture him for the truth. Scourging is an actual process, a clearly defined process. He would be bent over a post. He would be strapped down, in this case with leather straps. His back would be stretched out, and they would whip him across the back, and their hope would that in the pain, he would tell them the truth. He's not telling the truth now. We'll do this. We'll examine him, test him by scourging. I want you to remember this is dangerous ground they're on. Do you know this is the same city where Jesus is scourged and crucified? Same city. This is the same city where Stephen is stoned. This is the same city where James is thrown out of the, off the top of the temple and crushed in with rocks. This is a dangerous city. He says, bring him in, we'll test him by scourging. Verse 25. But when they stretched him out with thongs, leather straps, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Now understand, scourging was so brutal, it was outlawed for Roman citizens. Even if you're a Roman criminal, this was outlawed against a Roman citizen. But when they stretched him out with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? Verse 26, when the centurion heard this, he went to the commander and told him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman. Verse 27, the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? And he said, Yes. Verse 28, the commander answered, I acquired this citizenship with a large sum of money. And Paul said, but I was actually born a citizen. It was a common practice for the wealthy folks to buy the status of citizen. They were not a citizen, but they would find a magistrate and they would pay them a sum of money to buy the status of a citizen, to buy the favor that is attached to that status. That's what this guy did. He said, I'm a citizen, but I bought it. Paul says, I was born a Roman citizen. Verse 29. Therefore, those who were about to examine whip him, immediately let go of him. And the commander also was afraid when he found out he was a Roman and because he had put him in chains. It was also illegal in the, in the manner that he was arrested, especially charges from non-Romans put on to a Roman citizen. This guy knew he'd messed up the process. Verse 30. But on the next day, wishing to know for certain why he'd been accused by the Jews, the guy still wants to know, he released him and ordered the chief priests and all the council to assemble and brought Paul down and set him before them. In verse 30, as verse 30 comes to a conclusion, the stage is now set. The showdown is now set. Paul is unchained. The Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish council is called in, and the Roman commander wants to get to the bottom of this. Paul will now speak in an official session. I'm going to stop right there today, but I want to come to the last question. Number one, are you different knowing Jesus? Number two, do you know your mission? Number three, how convinced 
are you? How sure are you? And the fourth and last question is this. Are you prepared to stand? That's the question. Are you prepared to stand? Paul was prepared. Are you prepared to stand? Are, are you? Listen, you're the church, not somebody else. Are you prepared to stand? Folks, I want you to see this. Listen very carefully. See what I'm saying today. Listen to me. What our world needs, and it's Independence Day tomorrow, so let me just say what our nation needs. What our nation needs, are you listening to me? What our nation needs is for the church to proclaim Jesus. What our nation needs is for the church to exalt Jesus. What the nation needs is for the church to boldly declare Jesus. What the world needs, the nation needs, is for the good news of the gospel, of the forgiveness of our sins, and the Savior for sin, Jesus, to be proclaimed. What the world needs, what our nation needs, is to hear from the church Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. That is what our nation needs today for the church to declare Jesus saves. Are you listening? And you are the church. Not somebody else. Not somewhere else. You are the church. We hear the nation needs the church and we say amen. We hear the nation needs the gospel. We say yes, amen. Listen, you are the church. It's you. It's me. It's us. Will you stand in this world? Will you understand your mission is so urgent? And will you declare in the world today, Jesus saves Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Donut was right. You are the church. Will you stand? Will you stand? We're going to close our service with a time of invitation. Go ahead and stand if you want. Go ahead. <laughs> I like people that will stand. Come on, let's go. We're going to close our, our time together with a time of invitation, a time of response. And I want to tell you, look at, look at the world. Look at the speed that its demise is taking on. Look at the darkness. Look at the garbage. Look at the things we couldn't imagine just five or six years ago, 10, 20 years ago. Look at the state of our world today. Listen, Jesus is coming again very soon. He's coming again very soon. And those that don't know Jesus, they're going to be outside of him for eternity. They're going to perish away apart from him for eternity. They're suffering now. Listen, our mission is this, tell folks about Jesus. You want to get stirred up about something, get stirred up about Jesus. You want to post about something, post about Jesus. You want to talk about something, talk about Jesus. The time is urgent. I want to tell you the second part of that is there may be some of you here that don't know Jesus. I want to tell you time is urgent for you. And God's grace is offered to you in the hearing of the gospel. And the, the good news is his grace is offered to you right now. God loves you and he sees you and he sees your state and your sin. And he sent his only begotten son to pay for it, to, to offer forgiveness because the price of redemption is finished in Jesus. That has happened. 
Now the Bible says if we'll believe that, if we'll take Jesus at his word, if we'll receive him in faith, he'll save you. That's how we're saved. Maybe you're hearing this today and you're saying, well, I, I, I've never trusted Jesus. And I'm tired of, of looking and I'm tired of, of the, the guilt and the shame and I'm tired of pretending. And maybe you're ready to trust Jesus today. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. And then we're going to have a time of invitation. Listen, if God's spoken to you, you come on. If you need more information, you come on. You want to come and pray for, for our church, for this nation with our church in it, for this world, you come on. And may Christ be known and glorified in both. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Father, we come, and I'm thankful that we have hope in Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful that we have peace in Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful. Lord, I'm thankful that you've given us a mission, a, a, a purpose, a reason to get up a reason to, to open our mouths and to, to walk with a spring in our step. Lord, I pray, number one, that if there's some that do not know you, that are suffering apart from you, I pray that in the hearing of the gospel today, that today they would trust you. Today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray if there's others here and they've trusted you, but maybe they've, they've lost the, the course of their mission, that today they would be renewed in that. And we'd be a church that's prepared to stand and speak the truth of Jesus in a, in a world that's suffering and hurting. Lord, we ask in this time of invitation that you would move, that you would work, that you'd be known, that you'd be glorified. We trust it to you, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we start to sing, if God has spoken to you, you step out and you come on. If you need more information, you come on. Let's settle it today. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar. You come as well. As we stand to sing, you, you come on. You come on.